people are probably aware of like, oh, I think I'm a visual person, but I'm not sure that everyone jumps to the conclusion of like, oh, that means I should study visually. Like it doesn't just carry out into our strategies. Mm -hmm. It might just be like this knowledge that we have and that we don't do anything about. Mm. So I think reminders of like, hey, maybe you should try this. Or like you were saying, exposing students or kids to all these different things really become a problem solver. Say, well, this didn't work. What else is available? What other options are there? And I think that's maybe the most important skill is like testing, like learning to test all these different things out. Mm-hmm. Hey there, welcome to the Gluten-Free Organic Thoughts Podcast where you are encouraged to express your natural thoughts and views through casual, meaningful conversations that hopefully can lead to learning and understanding new perspectives. To find out more info, visit www.gfothoughts.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Wong and Robert Din. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another great episode of Gluten-Free Organic Thought Podcast. My name is Michael, and my co-host is always with me, Robert Dan. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. We're, uh, we got a new guest on today, uh, Ms. Corinne, Dr. Corinne, that we have over here. Um, yeah, Dr. Corinne Noble. Yeah, and so today we're going to be talking about um, learning styles and and see, like, actually from someone who teaches people, like, what uh, how people learn and and. Uh, we watched a video uh, earlier, so we're going to dive into that a little bit. Um, yeah. But before we well, start, yep. what are we drinking, guys? Oh. Corinne, what are you drinking? Yeah, what are you drinking? All right, so I just finished my morning coffee because it's 10 a.m. local time, so I can't start without coffee. So it's just boring water, but it's in my Tokyo <laughs> mug from oh. Starbucks. So. I mean, so wait, not cup number two, coffee? Water. No, I only do one a day. One a day? One a really? day. That's very little. One a day. That's a that's your limit. It's all you I need, though. You don't do any more. You don't I, do well, this coffee? is the thing. This is the thing. With a well, like a good night of rest, mm-hmm. you just need one cup of coffee. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's normal, sleep, right? That's a normal way. <laughs> For every hour of sleep lost, you probably needed an additional cup of coffee. <laughs> so just water right now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. That's how the other side lives. I I drink coffee for taste, so. I just drink it all day. Like I, I have no. <laughs> I, I love the taste of coffee too, so I can't, you know, argue about that. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever. What are you drinking today? I am drinking. I found this uh, Domain Lingo Martin. Nice. Uh, so sparkling rosé. Nice. Really pretty. Yeah. Wait, you haven't opened it yet. You're gonna pop a new bottle. Oh no, it's open. Right. Or it's I just, open. I just opened it. It's a nice, oh, nice. color too. This color. It yeah, is a pretty gorgeous. color. Nice. Is it very sweet? Very dry? I don't know. We're gonna taste right now. Taste test. There we go. <laughs> oh, it's on the sweeter side. Oh, nice. That's yeah. good. But it's not too. Right, it's me, not too sweet. It's good. Send me a bottle, okay? Send you a bottle. <laughs> this is the only one I have. Me, I know. I want to try that. Let me cork this up and send it over to you guys. All right. All right. So I am drinking uh dirty matcha. I'm not sure you can see it. Like, yeah, put latte. it in front of your face. I think. There you go. Put my face. There you go. In front. In front of your face. There you go. There you go. There you go. So it's kind of dirty. You can tell. You see a little bit of greenish behind yeah. it. So it's a matcha with oat milk with a shot of espresso in it. So for those who haven't had that yet, we call it dirty matcha. So matcha oat milk. Espresso. Sounds delicious. It, it tastes matcha-ish with a shot of espresso. That's what it tastes like. I don't know how to explain that. Mm. And if you add honey to it, it makes it a lot better. Uh, so, yeah. That's that like one of those good. power, like power drinks, right? 
Uh, well, this is my morning coffee for me. So okay. I'm still in my first cup, like you're just like you, but I drink usually about two to three cups throughout the day. So. Okay. But yeah, okay. I do have my cut up at 7 p.m. though. So, but it's late. Yeah, most not normal people. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. For so for those who are, you know, trying to get us just tuning in right now, we today's episode, we are discussing about teaching style and how it correlates to the different learning capabilities. The question we're trying to answer today is mainly is that, you know, do we adjust the different teaching style just to kind of cater to uh, the different learning capabilities? And in order to kind of answer this question, obviously we probably won't get through a lot of as much detail as we can, but it's more about approaching understanding what are the different teaching style and then what are the different capabilities of, and so we have our, um, our guest on today, Dr. Karina Avo. Uh, with a background of uh, social psychology and marketing. And so she's been teaching this for quite a bit. She does re- she's done research on top of that too. So she's definitely had a little bit more expertise than we do. So we're just yeah. really coming from, from the learner side, you know? So <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've taught for a long time, uh, yeah. but honestly, one of the biggest things is you never stop learning. Even when you're a professor, uh, you constantly have to adapt. So I'd love to say I've mastered it, but everything is always <laughs> evolving. So I'm going to continue, need to continue um, adapting as I go and growing uh, as a, as a teacher. So, and that's a growing that's mindset to have though. That's good to have, you know, for a professor. So most people, you know, when they get to a certain stature, they tend to eventually become a fixed mindset. And I've seen that, you know, just because I've, I've encountered different professors as well. You can kind of tell sometimes. So, but then again, not many people, you know, sometimes are even aware of that, to be honest, either. So, right. Yeah. Right. All right. So, uh, so Corrine, tell us a little bit about yourself for those who has not met you yet. Yeah. Um, so you guys co- covered some of the points, but um, my background, you know, is in uh, social psychology. I got my PhD and master's in social psychology. A lot of that was like methodology, um, kind of understanding how to run research and everything. Um, and also statistics and, and all that good stuff. But I started to do some kind of consumer behavior related research um, in grad school, um, figuring out how people respond uh, to different ads and, and what uh, effect and impact these ads have on people's kind of intentions and behavior. So I realized I was really kind of interested in that. And I was studying, uh, actually, it's funny that you mentioned a fixed mindset because I study fixed and growth mindsets and oh, really? what impacts those have. Yeah. Um, in, in a lot of different kind of domains, like education, also in consumer preferences um, and also in sales. So I really started to expand kind of uh, the different disciplines and domains that might be affected by mindsets. And that really brought me into sales and marketing research. So then I ended up doing a postdoc in sales and marketing, started teaching sales. I have a little bit of a sales background as well. And, uh, and now I'm in, you know, consumer behavior and marketing. So it's really been kind of a lovely kind of journey. Uh, well, it sounds like the, it, interdisciplinary. It, it kind of helps with both sides. So that's what it sounds like. Kind of all intertwined eventually. What was that? Sorry. It kind of, it kind of intertwined eventually. Like, yeah, yeah. It, they all it, kind of, the roads kind of converged um, in, in a nice way. But, uh, but yeah, so that's one of the nice things I've, I've gotten to kind of become familiar with a, a lot of different disciplines and, and realize that a lot of the things in one discipline just is renamed in a different discipline. Uh, <laughs> they actually are quite related. There is like, oh, well, there's that. Marketing is bad, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, too. Do you prefer research or teaching? I'm so curious. Oh, that's a really <laughs> great question. 
I don't know if I could ever give up either. You know, really? it really is. Mm. Both of them appeal to me so much. I feel like um, in terms of like what drives me, mm-hmm. I have two like big motivations. Um, one is, and this is kind of the research side. I, I was always an inquisitive kid. Like my mom even bought me this book called the big book of questions and answers because I was always like curious about things Mm -hmm. and I think maybe she thought that that book would answer all of my questions but it didn't (laughs) Um, I think it fueled my you know lifelong journey towards research wanting to try to understand phenomena and kind of understand how people behave and, and why and the funny thing is is that although research gets us towards some of those answers we have this funny phrase in research um if somebody says oh uh, what happens if blah, blah, blah. We're like, well, it depends. The answer is always, it depends because there's going to be some other situation where people behave differently. So we try to approximate, you know, how people are going to respond, but it it always depends. So my curiosity really kind of drives me to do research, but my other big motivation is helping people and just like trying to have a positive impact on, on people. And so that really drives me to want to interact and not only teach, but have, you know, a lot of interaction with students gotcha. It's so rewarding and to have one without the other. I don't know. I think it's kind of perfect to be I, I able can to see that. Um, I mean, I mean, my little experience with teaching compared to just nothing, but I used to tutor. And one of the things is that just seeing some instant results is kind of nice, especially after a semester of reward, you know, you can see their faces, their kind of priceless reaction to that. So imagine, you know, you, especially you have, you know, you probably see those kids, you know, for the longest, longer period of time. And then at the end of it, you see their growth. So, Mm -hmm. and and it's probably rewarding, very rewarding. And And sometimes it's not even instant. Like sometimes the students won't know that they learned something or or it won't be relevant until a little bit later. I'll get emails from students. Hey, professor, you know, I just want to let you know, like (laughs) this scenario came up at work and I applied what we were talking about in class. I'm like, Uh, okay side note though has a student in the past i reach you i reach out to you say hey thanks professor i'm rich i'm rich now because of you (laughs) i'm rich now not not yet not (laughs) yet um not directly anyway (laughs) okay i'd love to think that i have uh you know increased their uh salary threefold but there we go threefold wow i need to go i need to go these are metrics that we don't look at Okay, right. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up for one of your classes right away. Three <laughs> X, man. No, but right, it, it is interesting. Yeah. I, I try to be accessible to my students outside of class. Yeah. There's the you know in person in the classroom instruction, and then there's a you know I always tell my students, hey, I want to be a resource for you guys. I want to help you guys develop professionally. Mm-hmm. If you're pre- preparing for a job interview, let me know. I want to help, and because you never know what. So one phrase that you say might have a impact positive on. impact. Yeah, 100% agree. You know, um, I totally get that. So, yeah. I totally What's get that. that. When I have when gone to interviews, I know when it's good or bad based on like probably one thing I've said throughout the interview. I've been like, oh, I shouldn't <laughs> have said this. And then that's, that's in my head, I'm like, that's no, that's where, that's where it all went downhill from there. From there. <laughs> <laughs> so usually I'm the, just the one thing. Uh, <laughs> so, so Corinne, let me ask you one question on this. So now, one of one of the things that you say you study social psychology in a sense, right? You probably people watch, you know, you watch people. And do you watch your students like that too? Also, I'm just curious. They study them a little oh, bit. Oh gosh. They, they take um, the research. I'm just curious. You yeah, they would, they would be like horrified if they were watching this. Like, oh my gosh, she's watching us. No, but you you get a feel for people just in okay. the level of formality with which they interact. 
you know, with you, um, you know, how just it, it's palpable. You can feel energy. Yeah. You can feel a personality, yep. um, how talkative, you know, people, you know, are not just individual students, but an entire class. Each class has a personality on top that of that. So. Because it's so, yeah, each group could vary. Also depends that the energies could be different from morning to afternoon, like you said. Yeah. So, I always yeah. avoid uh, lunchtime classes because students are just thinking about food the entire time. <laughs> so like you just, you have to be, you know, strategic in, in that sense of yeah. figuring out when people are going to be most receptive to That's kind true. of the learning experience. And so for me, I've found that certain times of day can lend towards, you know, different kind of learning environments. Yep. So you learn these things over time. Uh, it really is like quite a like multivariate kind of experience, but, uh, but yeah, you, you can feel it and you adapt accordingly, so not even like in an, like formal assessment yeah. or like analysis, like, Oh, that, you know, this is this way. It's just, you, you feel it and you adapt. So all right, we'll dive then we'll dive into the learning experience a little bit. So, you know, jumping back into your teaching background, right? So from the start to now, obviously you probably have, you know, grown tenfold saying you probably have to adjust your teaching style, right? Have you found a specific teaching style that works for you better or you had to adjust depending on the class of the group? Yeah, uh, it, it's a loaded question, really. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, yeah. I've adjusted my teaching style not only just because I've grown as a professor and understood a little bit more about what could be effective in terms of making information stick, making knowledge yeah. stick, mm -hmm. but I've literally been teaching students for a decade now. Okay. I have switched from predominantly millennial students to predominantly Gen Z students. <laughs> they are different. Yeah. Uh, the, the type of class I'm teaching has changed. Yeah. the whether it's beginning or advanced level courses has changed and so you always have to be very cognizant of what maps on well to yeah. the level and degree that you're you've been doing but i have really incorporated much more of a multimodal kind of learning approach uh to kind of try to reach as many students as possible for sure when right. you say when you say like different levels uh change you're saying like you'll teach the same subject, but it's, uh, it'll be considered a different level for different generations. Oh, uh, different. Thanks for asking. Um, so when I say like, um, it might be an introductory course, mm -hmm. which is where you're doing kind of a broad overview of a lot of different yeah. things, but you don't always go into, you know, a because, ton of detail. If it's a more advanced class, I've taught graduate level classes, mm -hmm. like in consumer behavior, we're mostly reading research articles and picking these apart. So you really uh, dive deep. You are oh, you're just saying the, the courses you're teaching are on different yeah. levels. I thought they're yeah. like, oh, within the 10 years, we went from, oh, learning one plus one is in this level. <laughs> Now it's in a different level. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And, and it also varies, I guess, what year the student is in, right? Like you said, mm -hmm. intro class, yeah. you can be teaching just freshmen and sophomore versus a grad class. It, yeah. These people are a little bit more mature. They'll probably have more background. So mm -hmm. their learning ability is probably different. So, but so, you know, sticking to the teaching conversation, did you have like a favorite teacher in high school and college that kind of influenced you to where you are today? Yeah. Gosh. I mean, I, I've, had some really wonderful uh, teachers. It's funny because I was thinking recently about teachers who have had a positive influence. And one thing about me is I'm actually, I'm mixed dominant with my hands um, and I'm very split 
when I say split brain, uh, equally left and right brained in terms of kind of my. Uh, I wish I was like that. <laughs> I know, right? That kind of sucks. <laughs> so I can be incredibly yeah. technical and yeah. very logical and just like very, you know, kind of uh, technically oriented, or I'll be, on the other hand, very creative. Yeah. Uh, so my two favorite teachers from high school, one, it was super methodical, very practical. Like we learned practice yeah. makes perfect. She was my calculus uh, teacher. She was just super serious, super <laughs> serious. And I just learned like, put your head down, get the work done, master it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then my other favorite teacher in high school was the complete opposite. It was my physics teacher. Nice. And he was in all about experiential stuff. He would have debates in the class about what should happen under certain, you know, circumstances. And we would have to do applied projects of like, you know, not just learning about physics, but putting it into motion. So you and actually feel it actually based on experience, you probably learn better to be honest sometimes. It's so mm -hmm. like, yeah. So one of the examples is in class and I actually did this. I was one of the volunteers, you know, that like idea about pulling the tablecloth um, from a table with where it's fully set with like yeah. fine china mm -hmm. yeah. can be done. I did it in class. I was terrified. Do you have a video on that? I'm just No, this is like forever ago. Anything was documented. Hey, I have a video. But now you could do it again, right? Now that you can do it again. There we do go. It again. Like, yeah. That'll be the next yeah. podcast. Well, she knows, she knows the physics behind it, you know? That's probably why. So she knows the physics. <laughs> So it's physics, right? <laughs> it's physics, exactly. I just have to remind myself of like the angle and, you know, but it's all about confidence there. You do not do it with any hesitation. Everything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but so that was really fun getting to do like really different sides of things. And then I had some really yeah. wonderful, uh, you know, uh, instructors in, in college as well. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I, I can vividly remember one of my favorite teachers in high school that influenced me to do engineering because of that physical touching aspect of that. I was good at chemistry. Uh, I hated it, but I was really good at it. I just kept pursuing that. But then that same teacher taught physics. And just because we did a lot of experiments, like building bridges, building stuff like that here and there, yeah. like you actually, you know, you calculate it. You could, you know, once you calculate it, you can estimate based on what you build. You can actually, you know, kind of gauge of how much weight you should hold. Little things like that kind of, you applied it and yeah. so once it and also got kids excited because you see things mm -hmm. so it, it for me i feel like that you know kind of led me to an engineering path and became a more analytical things in a sense um and that was what actually one of the subject that i ended up becoming ta for just because i feel like that if that made an impact to me I'm, hopefully i can give that back to kids also in my you know in high school at the same time because i feel like if i can make one kid a difference just to turn you know kind of get them engaged because a lot of, especially nowadays, like it's hard to get kids engaged, yeah. just especially young, younger kids. So yeah. mm. I think you're touching on a really important point is just the involvement. Yeah. And, and we'll probably get into this more about yeah. individual learning styles, but maybe it's more about just involving people um, yeah. to make it kind of personally relevant, I think yeah. is, is always going to kind of improve learning. That's, but that's it's getting true. harder. It is Attention sounds get shorter with technology and everything. So it's 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 a different challenge than it was Ten a decade years. or two ago. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Robert, did you have a favorite teacher though? I'm just wondering. Uh did yeah, I, my favorite teacher was my math teacher in uh in high school. Um, why? Why math? I was in like a competition math class, right? So like I wasn't even the best student in this class, which is yeah. Uh, it, usually in high school, like usually in the high school classes, I, as I was like, up until that point, I was probably pretty much the best student. But then I moved to a new school, 
they had like this competition math class and i learned so much and like i guess uh challenge of it yeah the challenge of it like and and, like pushing like i think i learned so much more because we were pushed um in to learn so quickly and we had to go to competitions and stuff so if you didn't if you didn't get if you didn't learn then you wouldn't do well and it just i don't know it the uh, the way he taught us was fun and and it at the same time it was like uh, pushing you forward so it was um i don't know i feel like i learned a lot in that class and, and it, it sounded like you had to apply it that's what it sounds like mm-hmm. the, the, the competition's applying it right right so you learn so it that, you apply it also yeah so that that class is like a, it's a competition class so like all the things that we're learning gets applied immediately when you go to competitions yeah. right so it's it's uh what was the competition format like um so they had they had a, a few different ways where like uh they would give us all the same tests right and we would have an hour to complete as many questions okay. as we could um and then they would it would be based on like how many we got right and okay and stuff like that yeah. oh it wasn't verbal it wasn't no, like no 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 it yeah. was it was uh it's not one of those things that you see on tv <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think i've ever seen anything like that like a lot of it was just like all right you're gonna we're gonna give you this test and then there was multiple rounds so like it would be gotcha. the first round and okay. there's like team rounds versus like uh individuals, individuals. Individual. so uh, yeah it was um know, it was interesting gotcha so so you, you were you like the challenge of this that's what it sounds like because you went from first to last and now in your class right so like you're not the you're not yeah. the best. Well, I don't know about last because I still <laughs> I still went to competitions, right? So um, I just felt you're like, like you went from here to yeah. Here. I went to, I went from like first to like tenth or something. All right, tenth. Okay. And okay. then because I was still on the team because there was like thirty people in the class, but like only yeah. I don't know fifteen competed or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was uh, yeah, it, it was just like I think I think the application. You're right, like. Mm-hmm. seeing the results once once we learned all this stuff and seeing the results and how our results like get better as we went along it was uh mm-hmm. it was cool gotcha mike so, do you have a favorite teacher yeah uh like i said my physics professor uh okay. so like he was my chemistry he was my okay. uh, regular physics class and then he was my ap chemistry and my ap physics so wow, and my, physics and chemistry. Yeah, and introduction engineering. This is all in high school, by the way. I literally had it for three and a half years straight. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. You know how you had Dr. Finney, you know, in what when we twirl? He was like my Dr. <laughs> he Dr. Finney. Shows up. <laughs> Mr. Feeny. That's awesome. Except he didn't come to college, you know, but still. <laughs> Mr. Feeney. <laughs> oh, but, but yeah, no, he's definitely a character. Uh, he still looks the same age. I see I have I'm friends with him on Facebook. I'm like, man, he hasn't aged a bit at all. <laughs> so I mean, I guess he started young teaching. And so I mean he still teaches high school now. I think he's probably higher up now. But uh, but yeah, I, my sister had him. Both of my sister had him, so they both in, enjoyed his class and stuff. So like once I remember, you know, side oh obviously side story. But when my first my uh, the first time that my sister had him, he's like, oh, you're a Wong, huh, aren't you? And I know I know what, I know what to expect out of you now. <laughs> my teachers all had the same thing because my sister came. My sister came seven years after, and then I, yeah. uh, and then she would always be like, oh, you're Robert's sister. Like your yeah. sister, she hated it. She's like, oh my oh, god. Oh my sister, my sister hated it because I set the expectation so high. Yeah, I, yeah mine like, too. She was yeah. just like, oh, I just hate like, like that's that's what I'm known for is Robert's <laughs> sister. Even seven years later, you're not at the school for many years and still like you get the. Yeah. My yeah. 
my youngest sister six years apart from me and literally she had the same uh, same the same teacher so like literally oh. she, like he recognized her as oh yeah. <laughs> so you relate to my chance to michael wong yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, that's awesome but it's i mean it is funny though but at the same time though like i said uh he's his style of teaching was very fun yeah and interactive right but also he, he can tell obviously especially you teach a class of 30 kids everybody's gonna be you know be receptive you know to certain things yeah um jumping into that right so you know how pretty much the whole topic of this conversation on the podcast was watching this video and I want I want to jump into that video and we're going to share this video on our show notes um yeah there'll be a link in the description yeah and this video it's pretty much someone kind of recording people's answer in terms of uh you know kind of do they believe in different learning styles and if so what kind of learning style do they believe in and they and then he does a you know simple test of different you know uh pictures and things like that and just kind of show them you know hey whether this you know kind of get them to memorize stuff differently i think the point of it was to prove that the there's like a myth on like learning learning styles right so Mm -hmm. like we know like audio visual and like uh what's the Mm -hmm. other one um where you like do stuff right kinesthetic Kinesthetic, yeah yeah Yeah. so like people would like choose and like it's like a well known everyone just chooses like oh i'm this type i'm this type i'm this type like everyone can self-identify yeah like, correct. Right. correct everybody can self-identify and then it's sometimes it's just not what you are you know you think you are that but not necessarily right yeah and so so now let me ask you this uh corinne so from you watching this video what pros that you saw this what comments you saw this video because i feel like there's a lot of bias but also at the same time there's a little bit of truth to that so yeah good. it's really interesting i it's not my area of research. So I haven't, yeah. you know, read, read the papers and everything that, you yeah. know, fail to support it or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying, I feel like everyone can self-identify as that they're, you know, a visual learner or a, you know, auditory learner. Um, I think that at the end of the day, people have different kind of preferences for um, sensory input, whether it's, you know, with their eyes or their ears or touch. Awesome. Um, so I, I think it kind of, depends. I still like, if you tell me just to have auditory, it's really going to be tough for me to hang on to that. I prefer to have a visual as well, but maybe the research hasn't captured it. Um, the way that like, maybe it does have an impact, but the way that the research has been conducted, hasn't yet captured routinely the impact that it has. It also might be, I'm thinking like Myers-Briggs, like, you know, I'm ESTJ. I'm super analytical. Um, yeah. I like reading and writing. Yep. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that might map on well, but like maybe we should be looking at Myers-Briggs rather than just the four learning styles. So maybe the uh, breakdown is a little bit different. I don't know. It. I'd have to look at the methodology, like super, you know, nit- nitty gritty. So, okay. Let me ask you a better question since you have to have research background. How will you have conducted this research? I'm just curious now. From your well, so um, it's it's funny because there has been some research conducted that's similar. Yeah. There's something called congruence um, or congruency theory that is the same idea of matching. This whole mm-hmm. matching, like things have a greater impact when things align when they're matched up. There's okay. something called state dependent learning in psychology where they have people try to memorize a set of you know pieces of information um within a particular um emotional or physical state like Mm -hmm. even putting them underwater when they try to learn these things 
when like, they are like leaders. underwater like like underwater, underwater. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's called state dependent learning and they basically found that recall for this information is improved um or enhanced when people are in that same state so think about this just even in Wait, a classroom what? yeah so just say like on a, on a much like more boring level okay. if you think about like if a student sits in the front of the classroom all the time right yeah and they're learning you know in in that kind of particular physical location and then on test day someone took their seat and now they're at the back of the room like it might actually even have an impact on their performance because they take these cues to have this integrated memory experience and they upload the information into their memory in that way when mm. they try to unpack it when they try to recall it it's best if the conditions are similar so this idea of oh. matching you know, with physical or emotional state isn't totally different from the idea of matching learning styles for delivery of, you know, like matching to the student's kind of learning preference. So I don't know. I Wait, mean, so you're saying. <laughs> so, like we're going to go back to this underwater thing. <laughs> I am totally going back to this underwater. So you're saying if I learned something underwater, it's better if I was underwater to, to like unpack it. Yes. Why say that though? I, I'm just trying to say how you. I'm not saying that. Overall no, no. memory is going to be of better course. if you're underwater, but I'm probably <laughs> that's, that's find that happen. above water is better overall. But yeah. if you were underwater when you learn this stuff, if you're going to be asked to recall it, you should be under. Wow. So, okay. Oh my me, God. This is. All right. I'm, I'm going to sign with this for a second yeah. because I was reading this book called Moon, uh, Moonwalking with Einstein. Okay. okay. Talk, speaking of memories. Okay. And this guy is pretty much uh, goes through this journey of how he can improve his short term, long term memory. Okay. And there is a memory competition. And at the end of the year, following this strategy that he fought, you know, that he asked the best of the best on how different people just memorize a bunch of stuff. Like, like there's competition, people memorize, you know, pie digits and whatever it is and so forth, right? And what they do is he unfolds certain strategy, how he builds a house in his head and he walks into different rooms, he, how he can connect to stuff, right? But he was learning this under pressure where, and then he was able to recall it under pressure certain way. So, he had to learn in a specific environment first, and then he unpacked it when he needed to. It so because otherwise, during the competition time, he was not able to unpack it the right mindset. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, he, same idea. So he went in yeah. and he was like, "Do you have a tank of water?" And <laughs> this is how I need to unpack it. No, <laughs> it, I am not saying that being underwater improves your memory, but if somehow someone asked you to learn something while you're underwater, then yeah. Again, that's a really extreme it's example. Extreme. It's kind of an older piece of research. I don't know if they've done uh, replication studies to yeah. see if that still holds. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, how would I could conduct this research? I would probably look at a whole lot of other things other than just the four kind of learning styles, Got you know, it. just seeing. You wouldn't box you know, it in, you're saying, like, into that. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Or, like, even you were saying about, like, you know, physics, like, or, you know, uh, where some of some disciplines lend towards interactive, mate like, material. So maybe it's more matching about, like, a learning style with a particular discipline. Yeah. You know, or even left brain versus right brain, like, you're super analytical, you can have a lot more detail. So I'm just, I, I believe that there are different styles, but I'm not sure if that's the exact breakdown that I would use to test it. So as a researcher, you would probably look at lots of different um, breakdowns or like, you know, Myers-Briggs or something like that to see whether they map on to performance with certain kind of uh, 
content delivery. Yeah, it's probably better. Like, we there's probably more that goes into it, but I feel like this uh, for learning styles thing is just it was just something that was very easy to identify for everybody. So then it just yeah, Yeah. so everyone could just like see it and they all like immediately understand what it how it breaks down and then they could they could self-identify so well, i think that's why i picked up a lot of steam and like that's where yeah. like myers-briggs like there's a bunch of different letters like who's yeah, gonna remember what 16, all of them yeah. are right so it's, <laughs> that's one it's of the unfortunate things oh like talking about ranting i don't know if i should say this yeah. for a rant but so many like assessments are so poorly written like one of the things that like I've been trained to do in grad school or pretty much anyone who's been through that type of program would be trained to do is how to write good questions. And I constantly get frustrated when I'm taking like one of those assessments. I'm like, this isn't even written correctly. Like, I don't know how to answer this question. Um, And so it's going to affect the validity of these things. But most people gravitate towards things that are easy to talk about. Like Mm -hmm. you were saying, Robert, like, oh, it's easy. One of these four, right? It's far more complicated to say, I'm one of these 16. And what are the nuances? Like that's not going to jive with the majority of the population. So there's a skew uh, like towards like things that become popular, um, even if they don't really hold because they're easier to talk about. But also the the 16 is just a, a bunch of letters. Whereas like if they had like named each of the 16, maybe we could like identify with them easier right like hufflepuff (laughs) exactly i'm a slytherin that's it there we go (laughs) it's very descriptive though if you think about it (laughs) exactly yeah so actually corinne you you actually brought up a good point asking the right question is actually a key um it's it's actually one of the main key aspects of research right because what are you asking matters and how you ask it matters so much um so going back to my original question, I guess, in a sense, right, how, then if you were the person who's trying to de- kind of debunk learning styles, I guess you could sum up whatever it is, how would you ask these questions now? I'm just curious, like from your perspective. Um, so like where they were asking people on the street? Yeah, so, so obviously, okay, let's start with the environment, right? They were asking random people in the streets. And because it's like, you can't control the demographic, you can't control whoever walks down there, right? Yeah. And they, also, yeah. Field research is really tough. Like if they were actually using that data, like, you know, on the street collect, oh my gosh, like so many, so much noise. We call that noise, mm-hmm. different variables. Uh, we saw people uh, being interviewed in groups. No, it all needs to be consistent. You need to remove as much of that noise as possible. So you need wow. to make sure that you have a script that you stick to for every single person. Do not deviate. You need to make sure that they get the same exact experience. Yeah. So, you know, you like in terms of what the surrounding environment is. So field research is really messy a lot of times. So mm-hmm. you have to like kind of employ different techniques. So if I was doing it, I would be doing it in the lab, first of all, um, oh. to kind of control for a lot of this stuff. Okay. And then, you know, figure you that get out. Them in, also- you would build a tent outside the street, tell them to come into my tent. All right, that's well, what then, then there's a selection bias, <laughs> like who is willing to do that? That oh, might be a true. certain type of person. Right. So a lot of times oh. you try to like employ lots of different methods to try to get, or if you like, um, you know, if there's a research requirement, then you have to do this. And then you kind of control for the type of person, those who are willing to take a survey versus unwilling to take a survey. So there's uh-huh. always going to be some ter- type of sampling bias, which can affect the results. Wait, so if, it's just hard. If there's a, a bias on like people who will take a survey versus not, then wouldn't your people that you're bringing into a lab also have that same bias? 
Well, so again, if there's like a, a lot of research is done at universities um, and there's like an undergraduate research requirement, that means that if you're taking a, a certain classes, you have to participate in the research. Oh, so you're stuck so with it no matter what. it's not no like what. you're doing it against <laughs> what so you're forcing so you're people with... against their will <laughs> it takes so no, it's, it's always oh. it is always you always allow an out if somebody feels uncomfortable they do not have to do the you know I see all that, researchers I see are trained that, yeah. to abide by certain ethical you know guidelines yeah, nobody course, is forcing yeah. anyone to complete research there are always alternatives so you know there is Robert, no imagine your, your job to do that Sorry, you're working here. You got to take the survey. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, you have to take this survey. <laughs> don't take this survey. You're fired. You don't, That's no, it. No, you don't get a raise. You don't get a raise, right? So <laughs> I mean, I think fired would, would force them to do it more. Yeah. I'm going to no, talk to my people there, work, Like, we literally have to have, like, people. training, like, each, like, every two years or so to make sure that we are up on, you know, what is okay, what is not okay. Um, gotcha. And so that's, yeah, it's super strict, actually. So you brought up a... You brought up, uh, you know, the bias situation, right? I, I do see the bias, especially watching this video, because at the end of the day, they can show in this video what put the interview, whoever they want, whatever results they wanted. We don't know the actual true sample size, that you, you know, and we don't know actually how um, this, I guess, the different type of people they interview either, right? And it's a and YouTube so, video, right? So they're, you, they're, they're doing, they're getting the people that would make the most impact on the video to That's be, true. To be vi yeah. visually uh, watchable, right? Yeah. or whatever yeah. the result they wanted to get out of there. That's true. Yeah. Right. Also, you're going to, as part of that sampling wise, there's something called the big five inventory. And uh -huh. those people are probably uh, more extroverted, like because they were willing and more agreeable because okay. they were willing to do this. So um, I, I think that, again, there's going to be certain personality characteristics that were overrepresented um, in okay. that. So, so what is this big five? Sorry, say that again, the big five. The big five. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like um, whether you are extroverted or introverted, are you conscientious or not? Um, you know, are you conscious? like conscientious? Wait. Oh, conscience. conscientious. <laughs> They're all conscious, but are they conscious? <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, but we're getting back yeah, into yeah, the, like uh, the forcing <laughs> people to take the take this again. Uh, you're okay. sleeping, you're not. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so how, I guess, how would you... Do you get the people, I guess, how would you know certain people are you know, falling into those big five and how you collect enough data to make sure just- There are scales like, for all this stuff. You just like uh, have to put it in the research. Like, so you could, could then um, look for differences, people who are high on extroversion versus gotcha. low on extroversion yeah. and things like that. Sorry, hang on, so I guess my lights like tend to go off. <laughs> oh, I thought you were stretching. I was like, yeah, it's a good time for <laughs> Mike's done. His, uh, his office told him he's, it's time's up. Um. <laughs> All right, so, okay, so now that, you know, you know, branching off from this video, right, we noticed from, you know, from your personal experience, teachings and stuff, tell me, I guess, have, how have you seen your students learning, you know, because obviously you mentioned, Early in this conversation, you say, "Hey, each classroom has its own characteristic, mm -hmm. its personality. That means each classroom probably has different learning styles, too. To be honest, too. It yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, whether it's formally documented, people at, at the very least have different personalities. Yep. Um, even if it's not a different learning styles. So, at the end of the day, you have to be attuned to these differences and kind of adapt. Yep. Um, but like some students are still like love to read and they're very like you can tell that they've read the textbook but definitely not everybody does um yeah. and i never and, read the textbook you'll tell that. <laughs> that did you guys read the no, textbook? No. that's why i became engineer major 
Yeah. <laughs> they give you That's questions. Awesome. You do the questions. The questions yeah. give me all the answers I need. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but especially over time with technology, like more and more, it's like, well, you need to have a video. Like they need yeah. to hear somebody else talking about this. Mm-hmm. They can't just listen to the same person over and over and over. Um, even if they agree with what you're saying or learning a lot, it's good to have variety. So variety of medium, just keep things fresh uh, because attention spans, like I said, have, have gotten shorter um, due to nobody's fault. It's just technology and it, it has lent toward toward that. And so you need to keep things as fresh as possible. And so I try to involve, you know, like uh, kind of group, like mini kind of um, assignments or discussions during class report back to the class so it gives them a lot of different ways to interact with the material and hopefully there's something for everybody within that gotcha one one question i have like this is off this is off topic but like so like when you do group uh, assignments there's always going to be those people that you're pulling along with you on your like in the like in the group right there's going to be people who are doing stuff people not doing. do you as a teacher see that or is it just like oh the group completed it i know that the group yeah um so i try to like do check-ins with the groups i try to say like hey you know where are you at with the project uh what areas are you kind of find having trouble with so i try to like do some assessment most most of the time they're doing things as a group and then they you know they'll have kind of the individual performance of like you know if they like when it comes time to doing an oral presentation you Mm -hmm. know about it everyone will have the role um, you can mm-hmm. see how comfortable kind of some students feel um, Talking or, or about not. The subject, I guess. It's yeah, but uh, but even like within class, you know, like just many kind of discussions or like, hey, think about this, come up with a couple of examples. Those are might be like five or 10 minute activities. Uh, usually like students have good enthusiasm, everyone's contributing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think a, a lot of, um, you know, group groups don't always go well, but isn't being an adult just a, lo- a series of group projects? I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Especially at work. I, I feel like at work, I, I agree, especially at work, it's like all group projects, you know? It's I all totally group agree. projects. So and if you don't like them in college, sorry, there are more coming. <laughs> no, and there's always, a, and in every group, there's always like one or two people where you're like, these guys aren't doing anything. So it's, it's uh, that type of mentality a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so you know, now that you, you you mentioned the different, I guess you know, I guess personalities and how they tie to certain, I guess people the way they learn. And also, like you said, mentioned right, bringing different perspective makes a whole lot of sense. It's like us not listening to our parents, but then we listen to our neighbors' parents, and they mm-hmm. say the same exact thing, but we pay attention to that mm-hmm. because probably how they said it was probably different. Yeah. So. And listening the same way sometimes they may not, and this is why you probably bring guest student, I mean guest lecture and stuff like that, mm-hmm. just because not only they can apply to it and they probably bring experience and it's a different voice. Mm-hmm. So yeah. which, I I wish that, I guess I'm wondering is this why a lot of you know college professors play videos? I guess when they you know I, I was like why would they show so much video? I could watch this on YouTube or I yeah. can, or even in high school right? Some some professors just show videos. Some you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's a fine balance, right? Yeah. And and as I just mentioned before, even if they love listening to me, but like classes can be like an hour and a half long. I don't care who you are, even if you're you know a keynote speaker who is always you know like paid to do this for a living. It's hard to listen to somebody for an hour and a half. Yeah. So I try to use it not to like, you know, 
because I don't feel like talking, I could yeah. say the same stuff, but it's good to have that variety. The students need variety, um, a little break. Uh, and for those students who might like visuals, there might be something in the video that's particularly well done. So I think it's more not just about saying, oh, I could see this on YouTube, but would you really find that particular video? I kind of curate you know, I go through a lot of videos, find which are the best examples, and then I use those. So I'm not sure that people would just find these on their own, yes, you but know. It, but it might not be that they're finding them on their own. Like, you could give those before class and, like, have us yeah. watch them before them, right? Like, yeah. like having us watch a video. During class. During class. Got, it's, it seems like we're, yeah. like, you could Wasting give this time. as an assignment later, and then we'll watch yeah. it whenever we need yeah. to. But and then like, you have a discussion in class, and that, I think that's more helpful yeah. than... Yeah, but true. also yeah. like there's also students that won't watch a video and then you that's need true. to like get them up to speed of what <laughs> i don't know robert i don't know all of my students would definitely watch the video oh, and wow you have, you have like the best class ever right i, I know, wouldn't exactly. do any of the assignments and i would come in and just teacher teach me that's that's yeah. the that's I, 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 I feel like that's the same though. though when yeah. you show it in class everyone kind of is there kind mm -hmm, of as true. part of the experience i think it can help with that too yeah, and I think you mentioned balance, right? Now, obviously, not every lecture you're gonna show videos, so it depends on the balance. It depends how effective it is those videos are. Mm -hmm. So it it does matter though, in a sense. Like so, now that you understand, you know, so before the semester, but you know, I guess when you prep your lessons plan, do you prep different ways of how you're gonna encounter certain? Because now you have that, you know, that ten year experience, right? The way you prep your lesson plans, do you prep for multi learning students in a sense? Yeah, I've really kind of built out different types of assignments to yeah. tap. And it's not for just for kicks. I'm like multi now does multimodal learning increase their likelihood of grabbing on, you know, to the material? Probably yes. Yeah. But I also have a different reason for doing it. Like you hear some students say, oh, they're not good test takers, you know, yeah. right? Um, you have plenty of those students that <laughs> they'd rather do, you know, a, a presentation. Well, I think about, I always keep the, the end in mind yeah. of being on the workforce, you know, in the future. What is a job going to ask you to do in the future? How will you be tested on your skills That's in the true. future? Yeah. And I try to especially in flat organizations that have lots of people doing lots of different tasks, you might have to do analysis. You might have to do a lot of writing. You might have to give a presentation. You might have to have really great, you know, uh, people skills. So I want to kind of build, help build those skills now when yeah. you're going to be asked to perform that variety of skills later. So I'm really thinking about real world kind of relevance for this and, and teaching in all of those different ways and testing them in those ways as well. So well, I guess, when did you realize you had to do that? I just wanted that kind of mindset. I mean, obviously when you start your learning and you're teaching, right? You're one, it's like that, not year two. Like like what, I guess towards what year, ah, I should be doing this versus yeah. ah, I should be doing that in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that journey is a little bit different as you get as you get more experience, obviously. So. For for sure, and I would say you know that kind of I don't know if there is a light bulb moment, but I think it's really been in the last like four or five years. I'm like, oh, the students are are different, oh. um, and and not in a bad way. Just, just what different in general. your yeah. circumstances <laughs> were growing up. What yeah. media were you learning from? How do you spend your time? These might lend towards you know, certain preferences. So 
I, I would true. say I really started to kind of build my more interactive and experiential type mm -hmm. stuff. Um, may, actually, maybe starting around six years ago. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Like, did you I, I found a big difference. Like, students just get really excited about certain things. Um, so, do you experiment with students? I'm just curious. Like, do you do? What do you mean, like, like, sir? <laughs> like, it's all one that. big experiment, Mike. It, it, it is all one <laughs> experiment. It is all yes. Like, I'm pretty. I, I'm pretty sure some of my professors, some of my professors in college, have experimented their teaching style on a group of students, slightly uh, different on another group of students. I can tell you this, like, almost for a fact. Okay, just because I asked them, hey, you know. So and so, you know, taught this like this. Um, you know, did you guys learn this way too? Or I asked him like, okay, did you guys go over the same lesson today? Oh no, no, he did some kind of experiments, but teaching is, but taught the same thing. I'm like, wait, Ooh. he did an experiment in a class live versus just lecture in our class, but teaching the same exact topic. That's interesting. No, I, I generally, um, I don't like experiment. Like, oh, in one class I'm gonna do just lecture, and in the other class I'm gonna do just well because. Lecture. He may have catered because different personality. Of yeah, the class. yeah. So. What I would say is, just like a comedian tests new jokes, yeah, you know, yeah. like <laughs> like <laughs> you, you want to find out what works. Yeah. You get you you I, you might test new material. You might see like, hey, this video didn't jive the way that I thought. Okay. You know, people would respond to it. So maybe I need to modify it. Maybe I need to change it out. Maybe that um, assignment um, or in class activity didn't have the impact that I thought it was going to. So you do tweak okay. things, but you're not like, I'm not actively experimenting like, ha, you guys are going to get this and you guys are going to get this. <laughs> I, I want the students to re, like have a good experience. And of so course. from semester to semester, you know, you're like, okay, well, I might change things a little bit, but Got it's more it. just that learning and refining process. That's why I said you're, you're always adapting. There's never a course that will just be perfect left alone. It'll be good for the next 10 years. That is done. That's yeah. not going to you know be the yeah, case it's not gonna fly you're not gonna yeah. fly by with yeah. so, yeah it's probably those uh those those weed out classes that they have at uf where they could actually do these experiments if they wanted right, to right. because they're, yeah. they're supposed to be hard anyways and then they have like huge classes so they're like oh yeah these 300 kids are gonna get this experiment they're gonna be they're gonna be a it's... class a this class b is gonna get their own thing all right so for me it's my it was my programming class i'm telling you this right now like i feel like my programming class was c plus plus in and so we, most engineers take that during this either late freshman year or early sophomore year, right? Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, we were all taking the same exact professor for C++ and we were all doing the same projects, you know, but then we're like, hey, I didn't learn this this way. But like we were asking like, hey, how'd you, wait, how'd you learn how to code that? Oh, no, he showed us visually how to do that. Like, what do you mean? He told us to go figure it out. I'm like, what? So like some class were getting a little bit more advantage of certain things because- yeah. I don't know. I, it's, that's why I realized, okay, maybe he's, this guy's really experimenting how teaching different. Yeah. You, know? that's, that's you don't possible. want students to get like a completely different experience, that's you true. know, like, yeah. um, or feel like they got gypped out of something. So like, and, and what if like, there was a, one student who didn't like for the majority of the class at work, but for a couple students, like they would have done better in a different class. So I try to like, you try to be eat, even. Well, it made my experience a little bit harder because I already sucked at programming already. And so I was like, I'm not, okay, you know what? I guess I figured it out on my own. So the only way to figure it out on my own is by asking people, hey, how'd you guys do this? You know, oh, this is how you learned it. Okay. So I learned it from others, right? Instead of yeah. from the class. So I stopped showing the class already. At the beginning of the class, at the begin at the, the first day of class, he's like, don't talk to the other class. <laughs> what? We're good. That's, a, that's, that's, what he, that's what he should have done. So that he he, so that his experiment <laughs> didn't blend together.
the, the instructor told you not to talk yeah, to the other. I'm just joking. joking. No. That's what he should have done if he wanted to keep the two groups separate and actually perform this experiment correctly. Yeah. Right, <laughs> control your control your control, control your, your, groups, uh, your yeah. groups. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I I do think you know yes, there are different quote unquote learning styles you can say, but I feel like it's not just one style. Some, like you mentioned before, different personalities prefer a different way of learning, and mm. and I, and I do see you know especially like now that we have you know new generations. Like you said, circumstances is different, right? They probably may be more glued to the screen. They have more spare time to do certain things. Some people may just learn more. In, we need more detail than learning because while our parents learning generation was different because they they only had certain limited time, you know, to go to school and then have to worry about work. While on our generation, we may have struggled a little bit as well, but not as bad as my, our parents. So like every generation is definitely different for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, you I guess. I guess my, one of the things that did bother me in the video is that they didn't range the demographic age either on that. I didn't notice that. Like they didn't ask an older couple or a younger in a sense. Like, you know, they try to stay within that little, you know, that little age range too though. So, yeah. I mean, it's also possible that they yeah. sampled more people than they actually had, had in the so, video. So like yeah. who actually made it into the video, we don't know. That's true. What, whether that's representative of everyone that they talked to. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just really hard to get a feel for yeah. the kind of, you know, research the method. Did you laugh when you saw the video? I'm just curious. Uh, your reaction was, did you laugh at the end? Like, oh. I'm, curious. I'm curious. What is your result when you saw the video afterward? I just, I mean, I, I was a little like, is there like a particular ending to the video? Do you mean, or just on the whole? It's a whole overall. Oh, I, I was a little bit surprised that, you know, research hasn't kind of supported it to any degree, but again, like I said, it's not my area of yeah, research. Of um, but you know, yeah, I, like I, I still <laughs> feel like I feel like preference does still exist. Oh, of course, hundred percent sure. That's so yeah, for me, when I watched, I was like, this this kind of makes sense, right? Like I I don't know, it, it makes sense that it's not just for specific learning styles, and you're way more. Like you, you might you might prefer one learning style over another, but I feel like in in every case, mo I've seen like once we once you start doing something like a kinesthetic learning, it seems like it's it's putting more of these styles together, and mm -hmm. so you're learning on different modes as well. Yeah. So I I don't know if it, it, it felt like it could be true. That's 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 why we brought this up on the on the podcast. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. possible. I did, could, I did could like. I did like when one of the people in the video said that they were like building a story with all the different kind of objects that they saw. That's something that I kind of do to try to like reduce the number of things. It's called chunking mm -hmm. yeah. in psychology is you try, like we can only learn so many chunks of information. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's plus uh, seven uh, plus or minus two or something like that is the average person's kind of a, a number of chunks that they can learn. So if you build all of those like a penguin and eyeball or whatever, you know, like uh, the spider, if you can all build that into one story, then you're, then you're chunking, you're remembering one story. Mm -hmm. And gotcha. now all the details kind of fit in and, and it makes it cognitively easier to wrap your mind around. So when, you, when students use mnemonic devices, that's very yeah. similar. Yeah. Oh, I see that. I feel like there should be more of that type of, that, that should be taught, like how to create those in your own mm -hmm. mind rather than like, like well, right now we don't we don't get taught how to do that 
Well, so actually, that leads to my final question in a sense. Like, I do wish that if I were to take one class in middle school or high school, it's, it's how to study and how to learn. Mm, that's a great, yeah, that's a great yeah. Think about it, like learning 101, like literally, like, because at the end of the day, I did not find my learning style until I was middle of, by the time I finished college, let's just be honest. And so I adapt, I, you know, high school, and some people find it during high school, some people find it during, you know, middle school, some people just find it later, right? And I try different style. Like for me, like I, so I struggle with memory stuff. Like just some people are just really good at just memorizing stuff, read it, they memorize it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very good at visual. If I can see something, I can remember everything visually and then I can recall it. But when it comes to like, actually like, hey, let me memorize this essay well, word by word, blah, 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 blah. You know, like I did like, I, I struggle in like memorizing a speech or a sense, but if I can see like a picture of an image of that pie, I can tell you like, oh, this is where it is. So reading this other book I was telling you about the moonwalking with Einstein shows a kind of different memory technique. And I think you brought this up in a sense, chunking it. That's why they do this pass builder memory test. They chunk it in a sense of, hey, you know, in this room number one, I go walking, I can see this table. This table is tied to something else. And it's tied yeah. to some material. I use chunking it room by room, by room by room. And that for me, that helped me recall a lot of things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so now when I try to learn, like, you know, like when I try to learn a certain topic, I try to chunk it, like you said, mm-hmm. and then I can recall that later on. And it's, it's definitely helpful, but, yeah. but I do wish, you know, I wish I learned this in high school. Yeah. Yeah. I think one other uh, tip that is really good for students is if they can make the material personally relevant. Because we are all experts ah. on ourselves, you know, if like, you're not going to forget it if it has a direct kind of relevance to you. you. Yeah. 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 So if you can find some even loose tie of, you know, remembering it as with you as a reference point, you're going to be more likely to recall it than if you think it, it's some static piece of irrelevant information. Uh, we don't have time to learn irrelevant things that don't. You know, don't matter. I mean, don't I mean, matter. I mean, everything is irrelevant to a certain point, but I mean, yeah. it, but it just—it's <laughs> good to learn some basic stuff to build that foundation. That's what it is. Everything's I mean, irrelevant I, at a certain point. Yeah. I think that's, it is, that's, it, that's the quote of the of the episode. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, okay, when was the last time you used Pythagorean theorem? Yesterday. Get out of here! I Shut had to, up. I had to figure out how. <laughs> I had to figure out how long this. Uh, this angle was um yeah okay. no i i you totally about, uh more efficient walking routes but yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> this application of it not yeah. yeah uh i think i think i also my ideas on what my what my learning style has changed uh as i've grown up as well so That's like when i was younger like like i like you said you could memorize stuff when i was younger uh my mom taught me like we like when I was going through elementary school and all that stuff, like I memorized everything. I was I went to like the National Spelling Bee just memorizing, really, like how to spell words, yeah, right? Cool. So like it was, it is like memorizing, but it took forever, right? So like nowadays, I say I'm not, I can't remember stuff like that because I don't have the time to sit there and just like flashcard through everything that i need to memorize right and it's so it's so hard. it takes so you gotta much put in time. the work man you know like when you say put no, in the work something like biology <laughs> where i hate biology because the whole thing to me is it's memorization um in school like schooling uh, see, school of biology is is just 
memorization because they don't teach you how everything connects and how that's, one that's thing true. works towards another. So the whole that whole part of biology is like, oh, it's all memorization. Biology one, two, three is all memorization. So I couldn't do that. But now when I think about it, I'm I do everything much more kinesthetically where I'm if I can apply stuff and do uh, do it like I can I can learn that easier. Um, and so like from going from when I was younger to now, I feel like my style has maybe it's not actually changed, but like my the way I think about how I learn has changed. So I feel like with biology does for me. Okay, the reason why I'm talking about this biology is because for me that was like one of my favorite subject in high school because I was taught differently to me, right? So it's really taught the way of a car engine works, and that tied it to like an engineering thing for me, right? And so it you know it's tied to specifically what certain part of the cell did, and then so therefore you gotta understand what that meant in order to how to connect to the next thing and then the next thing and how how build the whole thing. Like literally, like so the way she taught it was relatable from a grand scheme of picture, and then how she was able to apply that to like real life stuff in a sense. Mm -hmm. Example that she she did, so it gave me that visual to learn. So I didn't I didn't have to worry about memorizing it. I'm like, oh okay, so now I can tie this back. And this is what that thing does. And as That's much as I say, yeah, what? And as much as I say I don't memorize well, like. When it comes to math, I learned the basics. I like, and the basics of math is all memorization, like how these, That's true. You have how these to. things. Yeah. So like, I learned that very fast. But then when you go to like higher levels of math, everything is. I I could just sit there and just go from what the basics that I know and extrapolate into what the higher level of math yeah. is. Yeah. Whereas, I think biology, I just learned late or like, I, I don't know. I didn't <laughs> learn that basics and I just hated it. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm still learning the stuff that to get to the point where you can extrapolate. Right. And yeah. that's, that's well, also, you probably had, you know, different teaching styles too, as well to you. Right. So yeah. like you said, they probably just thought, Hey, go memorize this. Good luck. Good luck with the test. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like for, um, intro chemistry. Yeah. I rock that, like balancing equations, doing all these. I love things. it too. So do I. Yeah. I love balancing equations. Yeah. But dude, when we moved to OCHEM and the like, and and especially Orgo? those 3D models, Orgo's I'm amazing. not a spatial person. I was like, I can't like. I loved Orgo Cam. I love Orgo one and two. I mix up that visual basic. I I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. I crushed both of those classes. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. I, I just like Gen Chem, um, but. Like I'm not, I learned I was not a spatial person. And I was like, this makes perfect sense because I get lost in like multi-level parking garages. Like I'm just not, <laughs> not a spatial person. Like, just, like, <laughs> my, my knowledge does not translate on 3D levels. Like, How about 4D levels, huh? So, probably even more difficult. Uh, so yeah, but it's just, it, it really is, you know, interesting. I, I know that yeah. I have strengths. And I have weaknesses and, and learning which, what are your strengths and in, in terms of and more just like career advice of like, whether you can align what your strengths are and, and what different kind of formats, you know, you're likely to be kind of tested in or needing to perform in is yeah. one of the big kind of like unlocking the box of success. Um, mm -hmm. It's really, and, and it really, I feel like it takes more initiative to test out these different things. What strategies do work for me? Like, oh, flashcards didn't work. Well, that doesn't mean you're dumb because flashcards didn't work for you. You need to try something else. Um, so gotcha. like you said about having a class that like, how do I learn? 
to realize that there isn't just the one way. And if it doesn't work, that that you conclude that it's not the subject for mm-hmm. you or yeah. that you make conclusions about like whether you should like move on in school, you know, like to a higher level. It's about kind of finding those preferences. So so I, I 100% agree with you because the way, like, for example, like Orgo, right? For me, I didn't memorize it by flashcards. I just applied it. I like, literally like, visually yeah. learned that. And for me, it just stuck to me. I, Listen, I took Orgo, it was a elective. I didn't have to take Orgo at all for engineering. I chose it because I was really, <laughs> because I actually enjoyed it and actually I knew what it was doing. Yeah. Um, but eventually I realized, you know what, I'm not going to do anything with Orgo. So I was like, okay, you know what, I'll, yeah. I'll let it go. I transferred yeah. out of pharmacy and because of biology, because I was like, I can't, I can't figure out this biology stuff. But I still kept taking the Orgo classes because I was like, this stuff is... Is it makes sense to me? It just makes it sense. makes sense. Yeah, it is just to make sense. Nope, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I stopped. I was like, no. Okay, so you mentioned okay. So you know, just to you know, uh, kind of recap the episode in a sense, right? So from from this video itself, okay, there are some, uh, like, do you think overall, what would it, what would it take to support their statement that they're learning that it doesn't the myth of learning styles like. Because right now, what they're trying to say that there is not specifically a learning style is, you think that that video right now alone by itself answers no, that question? No, I think they're saying yeah. that the four learning styles that everyone oh, knows is not the actual way learning that style. everyone yeah. is split yeah. up. But that doesn't answer the question, though. I guess I guess that video does that currently. You can you can never prove something to be true. You can only find support for it or fail to find support for it. Oh, and so you might you know, so none of these answers are final. It might just be that you tested something in the same way each time and you tested it the wrong way. So uh-huh. like, what tr- what truth is that? Under these particular circumstances, no, we didn't find support for it. Got so it. you just have to be real. like a recent, most researchers would say, you just have to be really careful about making a conclusion about that. Now experiments help when you randomly assign people to different kind of, um, you know, conditions. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I'd have to see what the, what the research said. So yeah, I guess I'll... they failed to find consistent support for it. Do you I also, uh, uh, there's also a question of like, are we good yeah. enough to identify our own, like self-identify our own style? That's um, true. Cause the, like, say they said, so say that they, I mean, it might be that they are pigeonholed into four groups, right? So like you have to pick one. Um, but like, would we be uh, able to identify this if we're not looking for it, right? Because like a lot of these things, like we were little, they're like, oh yeah, we, they told me, or like I, I saw when I was little that this is my style and then they haven't reassessed it in however long and maybe they, it's changed or they, they maybe it's the wrong, the wrong uh, group or something like, it could be something like that. Yeah, and and obviously they probably show some you know uh, some res- resources. What kind of you know I guess uh, the way why they conducted that way. You know, some and I'm sure they probably had some kind of environment. But you're right, you can't fit everything to like a six seven minute video in a sense to show that you know. Yeah. Um, it, it, and I think you've nailed it on the head where you can't just you cannot just come up with a final response in a sense. Yeah, you could run up to a certain conclusion based on certain scenario in a sense, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a final answer. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I um, so I guess for me, like if I were to have a kid one day, I would make sure that, hey, I would force them to kind of learn stuff differently in a sense, and then later figure out what fits for them. You know, because my parents kind of forced me one way to like, hey, go memorize this, go do this. I said my parents mm-hmm. did too. 
Yeah. Like, hey, memorize all this stuff. And when you're yeah. little, you have all the time in the world to, to memorize. Mm -hmm. And like, if you need more time to do it, you can do it. Yeah. But then when you get older, you're like, this learning style doesn't really, do this doesn't yeah. really help work for me. Oh, Robert, actually, I thought it was really funny, like when you mentioned the National Spelling Bee, because I've even seen changes in those, um, you know, contestants um, over the years, you see in terms of when they're trying to think of how to spell the word, they used to be writing it out on their hand. Now you see them typing. Yeah, yeah. Out, yeah. Like in terms of muscle muscle oh, memory, yeah, yeah, how they're I've doing it. That. So how they're recalling that information, it was input differently. How they are practicing has changed. So, yeah. and that shows kind of the impact of technology. So mm -hmm. all of these things are so important. And I think, and like, people are probably aware of like, oh, I think I'm a visual person, but I'm not sure that everyone jumps to the conclusion of like, oh, that means I should study visually. Like it doesn't just carry out into our strategies. Mm -hmm. It might just be like this knowledge that we have and that we don't do anything about. Mm. So I think reminders of like, hey, maybe you should try this or like you were saying, exposing students or kids to all these different things really become a problem solver. Say, well, this didn't work what else is available? What other options are there? And I think that's maybe the most important skill is like testing, like learning to test all these different things out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't start doing that until college, to be honest yeah. with you. Like, and I think that's a little bit too late as just because I was like, wow, I'm struggling this subject. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm struggling this. And that's kind of forced me to, okay, maybe I'm not, I'm not learning this the right way. And so that's why it forced me to kind of learn stuff. And um, I think I wish, I do wish I've read this book when I was in college, but it came out in like 2012, so it was too late. But it was, it was, I, because, but that's the studies has done, you know, has been there for a while already. Like people are just good memorizing stuff. But I really do wish there was like an elective in high school, because, hey, how to learn or how to study in a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It would be definitely be useful though, for sure. But yeah. So, all right, so we're going to wrap this episode with, you know, what is one or two advice you can give to new professors or new teachers, like from this, I guess, ex, you know, your experience and from, in a sense, you know, from a, not, only, not only teaching style, but you know, understanding student, because it sounds like your social psychology background and your research has helped you kind of tenfold your teaching style better. And just because you become more subconsciously aware of it, Versus someone who doesn't have that background study, right? Let's say that they're a professor of math, right? And mathematics, mm -hmm. you know, they may, because they never experienced that, so, so, you know, that social psychology background, yeah, the research is all math related, nothing to do with, you no know, consumer behavior, yeah. things like that at all. Like it's different and, and everyone teaches differently just because of their own, you know, journey. So, yeah. Um, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I don't, you know, assume I know everything I'm, I'm still learning too, but one piece of advice is, you know, expect the unexpected, be flexible. Uh, gone are the days where you don't have to adapt a course, you know, or yeah. like you have to be aware of a lot of different considerations. The material itself might be dynamic. Like I teach marketing, uh, COVID, uh, social media have dramatically changed how all of this stuff works. Uh, and, and so you always That's have true. to incorporate current things of, of, realizing that the material might not even be the same like the landscape may have changed so just really just try to be educate yourself about modern kind of theories or practices to be as relevant as possible and understand that you know you're never done learning um even a, as a professor and kind of a, again for me I just try to make myself accessible to the students so like I feel like the more you can make yourself available to them the more you can connect with them and that rapport 
can translate well into their kind of, um, you know, educational outcomes. That's true. I think you can be more attentive as well sometimes because yeah. they have to trust you. Yeah. So you build that trust relationship, which yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. I think it's important in every, in every, um, I don't know, every career path or whatever that you're in. Like, as you get older, like, you should continue to grow. And it doesn't, it's not just a, once you're out of school, you're done. Like that's, it's, <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. As, as, you, as you get older, you learn way more well, stuff. Well, we tend to keep comfortable. It happens though, right? You think about it. Like we're like, oh, we're comfortable with our job. We're comfortable where we are. Like we tend to be comfortable. That's how it is. It mm -hmm. just happens to human nature in a sense. Yeah. It's not like we want it. Oh, I'm going to be stuck here and I'm going to have a fixed mindset. But it's very easy to be comfortable. Yeah. It's very easy to just be like, I'm, I'm good. Like I don't really... Yeah. <laughs> You know, no, I'm too lazy. Like we've gotten to a very lazy state in general, but it's it's so it makes it easy to just be like coasting. Just, yeah, yeah, it just yeah. makes it easy to just be like, okay, I can yeah. live off. Well, there's this, actually I guess. like this idea in um, business of like plateauing, like employee uh, plateauing, mm -hmm. and in terms of like what leads to plateauing versus like really trying to improve. It's that kind of like, you know, settling or like resting on your laurels or like, okay, I'm good. I've put in my, you know, time, you know, <laughs> there is no resting. Yeah. Career. That's right. I've seen like people, I've like when I was working at like Bank of America or whatever, and you would see people that have been there for 30 years and then they're coming up on their 30 years and they've been at this one job for 20 years. And you're like, wow, this is this is what it is. It's like, we've got to our point and we're, we're just going to coast from here. And just, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's okay. So you, you know how you talked about the concurrence model and uh, in a sense, in the, in the beginning of the, on the, uh, you, you touched base on it a little bit. Right. And I, and I had to Google that a little bit and I heard this before somewhere. Um, which, which model was that? Yeah. Uh, what's called the concurrence theory. Oh, concurrence theory. Yep. yep yeah. Yep. So, so can you, Tapped into a little bit that a little bit more uh, in a sense, I guess the background of that, just because I feel like for those who listeners who don't know what that is, just wondering like- Yeah, so, okay. So actual congruence theory, like if you yeah. want me to get super technical, it actually has a little bit different roots, but it's now talked about in different ways and it's manifested in different ways in different disciplines. So if you look up congruence theory, it's yeah. probably going to talk about our um, actual self versus our ideal self, yeah. uh, which is like Tori Higgins, like a uh, model of, like uh, it talks about kind of discrepancies between what we want to be versus what we actually are. Mm -hmm. And things are better for us when we are as we want to be. If, our, if my ideal self is like being this rock star and I'm super far from that in reality, I'm gonna feel some type of dissonance. Like I, I'm aware of this discrepancy and it makes me feel bad. Mm -hmm. um, but how I was talking about it is a kind of borrowed, idea of it in marketing. Um, so again, if you look it up, it might talk more about Tori Higgins kind of uh, self-identity type theory, uh, but I'm talking about in the marketing sense of matching characteristics, um, you know, in terms of the impact. So matching learning styles with the, you know, way that it's being tested or something like that. So uh, it's just that mm. when things are more congruent, our, our brain is easier to wrap our heads around it. It makes more sense than if something uh, is at odds or I, I can see that now. So that brings me to my next question, because it sounds like you can tie that to the brand, to, to, to the brand personality and how they can relate to that. And then it ties maybe, to it together. Maybe. Ah, so... Yeah. I can see how that's being applicable. I'm actually doing some congruence research right now in, in marketing. So oh, I'm, okay. I'm like advertising. So mm. yeah. So gotcha. yeah, if you look it up in marketing, congruence 
stuff is going to be a little bit different than how it's talked about in psychology. Yeah, so it's a, I was going to say because it's, there's a huge difference, I guess, because you because your background, you probably know that from a psychology standpoint. Now you're applying that differently from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. So it's, it's a slightly obviously different definition. Now the reason why I was bringing that question up is because this kind of ties down into you know. Um, I guess relationship, right? You mentioned relationship with your students. And so being available to your students. And I think that builds that, I guess, that relationship. And then that builds up loyalty, if you think about it. Yeah. So Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's true. And um, yeah, at, at the end of the day, it's not even about like loyalty or anything or like what you're kind of going for. Yeah. For me, it's again, just thinking about possibly being a professor that said something that had, whether it's now or in 10 years, it will have made a positive impact on them. And so I just always try, you never know who's looking up to you. That's you true. never know who might need you, you That's know, true. in like in, in this capacity of having a role model. So I just try to conduct myself thinking gotcha. backwards, mm -hmm. like assuming that this may be important one day. Gotcha. And so I try to like, take make the step take the steps and make the effort um so that i could be you gotcha. know, so one final question do you have a mentor i'm just curious do you have a do i have a mentor i'm just wondering i'm just curious i have um so like my graduate advisor mm -hmm. people joke that your graduate advisor never really stops being your advisor. You just always think of them as like, what would, you know, so-and-so do because they train you. Um, so I think whether you're in regular contact with them, they're in your head. <laughs> Their voice is in your head. What would um, they do? <laughs> it sticks. So uh, I feel like I have a, like a per permanent mentor, um, just kind of like, like how would, you know, my advisor approach it? And you can hear the um, voices in your head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You can hear the voices in their head, in your head. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, different, different. <laughs> but uh, I, I can think what would, you know, what would he say? Um, yeah. I really, I, I feel like it's almost weird. I don't have a mentor per se, but I also don't like that concept. Wait, what do you mean by that? Sorry. Yeah, it's curious. I think that you can learn from anyone. That's I don't true. think you could learn from your student. You could learn from a colleague, like in terms of I almost feel like it presupposes a hierarchy of yeah. like this person is more accomplished or uh, a certain age or something like that. Uh, I just try to learn from everyone and and take good things from each of those. So I feel like everyone's my mentor. And like, it sounds so cheesy, but I really <laughs> yeah, look does. at it like in that way, rather than putting all of that on one person, you know? So well, I guess for me, my definition of mentor, I don't, I don't have one either, just so you know, but I just switched if I, if I have a struggle with something, as someone to talk to about and at least get their perspective on it. Like that to go person. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I have that in my life. You can't and... talk to us, Mike? Come on. Well, what's the problem? <laughs> you want to lay down on the couch? Uh, we got some space here. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm talking about? Like there's certain things that you could, you, you, that's, I mean, obviously like, everyone has deals different relationship, right? Um, but like, especially like, let's say it's career wise, right? And mm -hmm. so, like, let's say that you want to talk to somebody, like, especially it would be nice if someone has already done it in that profession you are, whatever industry you are, like, especially in, you, in your career, right? Yeah. You know, teaching, right? Or researching. Do you have somebody like that? Or I'm just curious, like, the to go person? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, professionally, I have like at different universities where I've worked, I've had like, okay. again, a supervisor or something or people that I've worked closely with. I definitely trust those people. Um, you can run things by them. Uh, my mom, of course, is like, you know, just uh, just like life stuff or just like for perspective, people who know you well. So okay. I think, um, yeah. I, I don't know if there's one person. I think it really depends um, on, on the I guess my mom, for personal stuff, I do talk to her about stuff like that too, I guess. But there's only certain life stuff. Like, like for example, if I tell my mom to quit my job, she's like, what the hell are you doing with your life? You know? <laughs> so I can't talk to her about that. So it's kind of yeah. like, you know. Yeah, Maybe mom, that's the motivation you need. What the hell are you doing, Mike? Get a job <laughs> that you like. Do your stuff. Get on with it. Yeah, maybe, right? that's, maybe that's what you need. Yeah, kicking the ass. <laughs> Wait, do you have a mentor you, you can go to just ask any questions? No, I have a lot of friends that I talk to and uh, my friends are in a different, I mean, I have a lot of friends in different areas of their life too. So that's true. Yes, it's, I, uh, I, I usually get, just get perspective, um, try to try to get perspectives from multiple, multiple people um, yeah. and, and then work from there. Probably not the most efficient way. Probably if we had, a, if I had a mentor, they could be like, all right, maybe this is the way to go. But yeah. I don't know. Some, some of the people that um, have gone through what, uh, ha that are like successful now, like they, they, things have changed, right? Our, our, our world has changed. There's a lot more going on and, or I don't know, maybe a lot less going on where like they, they just things have, are different. Right. And so they might not have the same perspective as of like what, is the most effective way to do things That's whereas true. they're like oh when i was doing it this is how it worked so it might have worked for know. them not for you yeah it might, it might have worked for them but like nowadays things have changed yeah. and like that wouldn't work anymore you know, so, so what what if i don't have anybody to i can ask question i go to reddit and i put a question in it and people respond which is nice oh and, wow okay. and so people were like literally like special career stuff people respond like really good mm. you should go to great. blind blind is really good for like what's, what's blind Blind is like a anonymous chat where like people go in and, and just ask questions and like the people who are responding are anonymous in a sense where like you don't have to tell them your your name and stuff, but you they tell you all they tell you is like where you're working. And it's very work focused uh, on that. Oh, it's very um, work focused. Okay. But you get like I, I feel like it's a lot more tech people do it because like it's okay. they talk about like I, I got this job offer. Is this a good job offer? How do I negotiate? That would be nice. That's what I'm trying to say. Like career related, I can't ask it to my parents. Yeah. Right? So like blind blind is like a good app for that. Um, you also get some ruthless stuff because people are anonymous. But like, <laughs> you there are good uh good things on there and people people there's a yeah. good good conversations. Well, it's the same, same thing with Reddit in a sense, right? You can see like some people have got comment that they've been doing this for a while. They, you can see the past posts what they commented, right? And they, they build reputation on answering questions, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but I guess, and I, I never heard that before. Why were that, well, is that an app? Was that yeah, a blind app. Yeah. Okay. You have to sign up cool. with your work email. Oh, what if you're not working? I mean, that's too bad. <laughs> it's only for people who work. All right. Get a job. <laughs> I guess that's what blind's trying to get you to do. Get a job. Right. All right. Um, you know, I, I mean, I just want to bring that up just because I feel like, uh, at some point in our life, like you mentioned, you know, like it may not be one or two people that you go to, I guess. And I, but, I mean, obviously for Korean, for you, like you have your professional network and your, you know, your, and your personal as well. To, you can pick stuff up from here and there. And, and, and I think, you know, I, 
everybody's, you know, have different circumstances. I, I know somebody who literally has a venture directly. He can just go to anything. Just mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. So it's kind of nice sometimes, right? And it's having yeah. that accessibility, like you said. Yeah. By, by the way, I'm not anti one mentor. Um, but yeah. when I said like, in terms of, I don't like love the concept or- Oh yeah, term, I know what you're talking about. I, term, so. I, I more meant like, it's awesome if you have a mentor and, and yeah. it's fantastic. Um, but I, in terms of how you define it, like it's I- It's kind of weird. I know what you're saying. You, well, yeah. no, yeah. It's just, I, I try to learn from everyone or it's not like only if the mentor approves or- and everyone else's opinion doesn't matter or nobody else could provide value. So I try to like, um, you know, find value wherever it might be, whether it's in, you know, a specific person or other. And it, that, that's relevant to yourself and it's good for you. That's a thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Even that we have different yeah. styles, you know, mm-hmm. of like whether just one person who we can ask anything versus it's like having a, like friends, like, oh, do you have one best friend who you can talk to about anything? Or do you have different friends for different activities? I have a friend who likes sports, who I can go to sporting activities with. I like the friend who I can go to concerts with or just have a serious book discussion. Um, yeah. Are they all in one or are they spread out across multiple people? That's true. You know who, you know who actually said a good thing about this? I, I think Bruce Lee, uh, he kind of, you know, his style of learning, like he just takes the best out of every single part of it. That's what he does. Yeah. And so, you know, be like water, right? Remember? Be like That's water. Me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap this episode up with our funny session and our rant. Um, so, Robert, you want to kick us off with our funny SMG session today? Um, yeah, I have. <laughs> so there is a point in time when we did this podcast where I was sending um, I was sending uh, Amazon reviews that were funny. Oh, man. Are you back to those again? <laughs> and I found another one. There um, we go. <laughs> So this one is uh, uranium ore. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so very radioactive uh, <laughs> uh, content. And you go to the comments and they're just, the reviews are just hilarious. And is it, the first review is great for making things glow. I can see my organs now if I pull my sheets over my head. Robert, did you send the link? Did you send the link over? Yet? Oh, I sent it over in our chat. I did. I opened okay. it in another screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? How do they even have this available? For Forty dollars, you can get uranium ore. No, no, but think about this. Nineteen hundred. I mean, thirteen hundred people bought this. No, it's thirteen hundred people reviewed it. Oh, reviewed it. Whatever, whatever. But I mean, okay. We know at least minimum thirteen hundred people bought this. How about that? <laughs> I mean, seventy-four percent gave five star reviews. Yeah, these are great. Like, how did how did how is this a thing oh. you can buy? But also, people like to review it and say it's great. Oh, uh, oh my god! Some of these images. I'm reading this right now. I'm looking at these images. Yeah, that is hilarious, Robert. How did you encounter this? Were you trying to buy some? Hey, I'm not gonna talk about uh my, what I do in my free time, but <laughs> some of these are 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 kind of crazy. <laughs> it's really- I got a beautiful sample of, of uranium ore when it's tested on my personal. I can't pronounce that word. Uh, Gallagher Merler counter. It was right on as advertised at the CPM certification. <laughs> <laughs> the ore itself is a beautiful mineral with many colors and a beautiful crystalline shine. Wow, that's very descriptive. so this like talking about skewed data yeah all the people who died using this didn't get to make it leave a customer review so that's all i'm saying (laughs) all right this is skewed a little bit but 
I do have some. Yeah. You have some two stars and one star. Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, range. Actually, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me read the one star for you. A tiny little bit scrappy sigh for a geo sample smiley face. One star. Okay. All right. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. But Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah. There you go. Uranium that, guys, like I, I wouldn't no, suggest I'm, this. I'm not about to add that to my uh, Amazon. Chopping this. You're not gonna add this to your cart. All right. Well. Remove from cart. <laughs> well, it All was right. in your cart, and now you're removing it because of the reviews. All, All right. right. So, um, I have something a little mean uh, from Reddit. It kind of relates to my real life dating life to a certain degree, and so I have sent that over to the chat. And so, pretty much, is an image. Uh, Oh, it's a quadrant, first of all, and the titles, online dating fail. So is this person, uh, you know, looking at the phone for online dating? Okay, and in person, you know, decided to, you know, to, to swipe right on the person. And then once they meet on the person and that one person that has holding the phone is like, hey, you don't look like your profile picture. And it's pretty much, <laughs> it's pretty much that person's pixelated. And so they use no, Mario so, as an example. Yeah. So what yeah. it is on the screen is, on Tinder app or whatever app it is, it shows Mario, yeah. 25 years old, founder of Mario Brothers Inc. Two miles, two miles away. away. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, you don't look like your picture. And it's just a, Mario it, pixelated. It's the 8 bit yeah. version yeah, of awesome. Mario. This is great. <laughs> it's, it, it is a failure because I've definitely encountered some smooth situation like this oh, online dating for sure. Um, You've dated a pixelated girl? Right? Yeah. Of that course, man. is crazy. <laughs> She was very square. Let me tell you. <laughs> At least he brought a flower. Yeah, that's true. That's sweet. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. And, and what if are like, not uh, described as they are. Well, also the things that though that the fact that she let him go to his house to pick her up. That's right. Like, oh, that is that's yeah. crazy too. Looking yeah. at the wrong things there. Yeah, but uh, did you see the title though? It says professional pipe layer. Yeah. Professional pipe player. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> that is such a good thing. I was like, well, it's is... it's basically classic uh false advertising. So <laughs> right. anyway, I think it's sweet. Like you said that you brought the, the flowers. There so you go. that's yeah. what I <laughs> all right. So Corinne, do you have anything to share story anything with us? Oh gosh, I don't know. Nothing that could uh compete with that. So I'll right. we'll just uh no, no, no worries, it's fine. So we're gonna end an episode with the rant. So my rant is I'm not sure if they read this last time in the last podcast, Robert. Someone hit my car in the parking lot and left the dent in my car. Mm. That they ran the the island. Talk about this. Yeah, right. So okay, so now um, it's a continuation of the rant. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the same rant. Okay, so this happened in Miami in a parking lot background. You sure you know? Uh, someone literally hit my side of my car on the right hand side of my of my, of my Toyota, and my fender and my side fender, so my bumper and my side fender just got dented. And mm -hmm. no one left a note, nothing happened. So this, uh, the Starbucks had a camera, but they didn't want to re relieve it and anything like that at all. Like, you know, so a month has gone by. And I went to uh, the dealership to get a price quote, you know, to see how much it costs to fix it. Mm -hmm. Cost two grand. I went to another wow. body work to, you know, to get a, to get a price quote for cost two grand. I'm like, are you kidding me? So then a week later, I went back to the same dealership and asked another price quote for different people. I'm like, I'm wondering if this is kind of biased, uh, $1,700. I'm like, okay, it's $200 less. So I go to another dealership. I asked for another quote, $1,700. Uh, $1, okay, so $1,700 is getting consistency now, right? So then I go back to the original dealership. I got my $1,700 quote and I asked him, hey, you know, um, you know, can you fix this? And he's like, well, 
you came a week late, that quote expired. We had to re-quote this. I'm like, are you kidding me? That quote expired. Re-quoted it for twenty two hundred dollars. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Wait, did you a show him later, the the the? Other I ones? showed him the original quote. <laughs> and I said, like, well, that quote, it's an old quote, you know. So like, uh, because apparently there's a backlog of uh, there's a high demand of repaired cars right now, mm-hmm. and there's a low inventory supply of materials. But in a way, it's too matter- expensive to get a new car. Well, you can't get a new no, car. No, no, not for twenty two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. No, nowadays so cars are very expensive. Cars instead of getting a new one. So car, mm-hmm. used car, and old car, a new cars are very expensive right now because of the inventory situation, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, but I'm like, how's it make a difference of, of a week? So I'm yeah. gonna wait until another week, maybe go back and just see if I can get it for seventy hundred dollars. Or it'll well, be so twenty five hundred. That's just like when you go on a you know website like to get a like your airfare. And by the time you've gone through the entire process, it's like, well, the price has actually increased since you began your session. Do you still want to purchase it? And you're like, <laughs> they yeah. get you like, yeah, that. lock that in, lock that. Yeah, price in. yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, Wait, it's, it's you didn't annoying. show him the other people's that I, the other people. I showed quotes. him the original quote. I was came. Here, I literally was here. T- no, seven but like you went to other places and got other quotes. Yeah, you I, didn't well, show sh- them those quotes. I showed them that quote. I showed them their own quote for the for, for And people. they were for like, no, own. we're not going to match. We're just going to increase. Well, it's not even that. They said, like, well, the price increased because of the material cost. That's what they said. I mean, I guess they, they know can that charge you, whatever. like, need it, though. You know, they know, they know you've I need it. It's a thing. You've displayed interest, and now they want to leverage that. Yeah. I don't know. I was so mad. Though. I was like, I wanted, I wanted those points. I was like, what the hell? And I was like, yeah. Sorry, I don't have my lights. Oh, my lights. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, that's my continuation of my rant in a sense. Uh, I was like, man, I'm like, I might just leave this dent here. I mean, yeah. should I claim insurance at this point right now? So in my mind, I was like, you know, I don't know. It's going to be a year later and he's going to have an update and be yeah. like, you know what? Now they say it's six grand and it's just <laughs> inflation is just crazy right now. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, at this point, it's just that I'm very close to trying to make a claim on my own insurance. It's not my fault, but then they're going to just probably going to jack my rate up, though. Yeah. So yeah, that's what happens. I don't know. But anyway. All right. All right. So Sorry, <laughs> no worries. So what's your rant, Robert? My rant is, uh, so <laughs> I bet I went on Instagram for the first time in a long time. And uh, <laughs> I checked my, like, notifications. And they started sending me these things where they're like, uh, you might know this person on Instagram. Follow them. Oh, nice. No, that's not nice. I don't, don't give. Like I don't care who these random people are. Like, why are you sending these to me as notifications? Like, I don't want. This is why I got out of. I I, I deleted Facebook off of my phone because they started sending me like, oh, this person posted something on Facebook, or like I I don't care. Like, this has nothing to do with me. Why are you giving me this information? Mm-hmm. I don't want to see it. I might delete Instagram. This is. Am I, am, it, 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 I'm getting upset. He's yeah. trying to, I mean, Instagram's trying to connect you. You could be, you find your future wife. I know they're trying name. to get me back to log in and they send me <laughs> multiple emails of like, oh, we see you've had a hard time logging in when I didn't. And <laughs> I just haven't logged in. And then they're like, you can log in this way. And now they're sending this like, you should like, you should follow this person because you might know them. And like, I, I have my friends. And if I want to follow someone, I'll follow them. I don't need you to give me any suggestions. If I can't figure out how to turn off this, I'm just going to delete the app. I couldn't figure out how to turn off the Facebook one. That's why I deleted it. I'm sure there is, though, some kind of settings we had that. Probably. Hopefully by now. But, like, you know, know, it's Facebook. You never know. That's true. Well, actually, like, you make a good point, and maybe I'll kind of continue the rant, is just, like, 
when they start to manipulate you, like we miss you come back. Like they're trying to pull at your emotions to change your behavior. That's kind of like the basis of the social dilemma, right? Is like, at what point does a you know platform move from a tool to something that controls or changes Ooh. how we act or interact? Um, I think I have a, an issue with- There's another podcast episode there, right there. Uh, it's yeah, own, there that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a good topic, yeah. Just in terms of like, just let me make my choices. Like uh, when, you, when a platform starts trying to influence your choices, uh, you think is you have to start asking, is it good for me? Is it good for me? Or is it just good for them? I see what you're saying because now you can't. So for me, sometimes I can't tell the difference between an advertising or actual real content. Yeah, yeah. You true. can't tell. Oh, sometimes it's that good. Sometimes yeah, unless you scroll it's down, it's not really good. Yeah. yeah. Unless you scroll down and then you see the tiny little words that it's sponsored by. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Or yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Instagram yeah, so. ads get me every time. They're so good. Like, yeah, they're really I'm, good. That's though. that's also why I haven't logged on to Instagram. It's because you scroll through and I click on all the ads. Like I was like, yeah. oh, this is they got so, I mean, me. I mean, they got how me. much okay? Have you bought stuff off Instagram ads? I'm just curious. I have. I bought a, a couple <laughs> things off Instagram ads. They're they're nice. they're good. They're they they know exactly I've, what you like. Um, yeah, I've I've done the same. I I've I definitely have caved in one of the two or two items for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I almost bought a 3D printer too one time. Wow. <laughs> Although those would be probably pretty cool, but I would not buy through an ad. Think about reaching people. Like I would want to be in person, well, talk to a salesperson, get more detail. Well, so they were on Shark Tank and ah, okay. I watched, and then that linked me to a Shark Tank video. And okay. then that almost converted me. Let me tell you. Gotcha. <laughs> Nowadays, I've see, I, see the, I see the ads and then I go straight to AliExpress and see what the actual price is that they're buying. Because uh, okay. a lot of it's drop shipping stuff where they're just like, oh, we're going to. That's true. Like they're putting ads up and then they go to AliExpress and buy it and then send it to you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So now I go straight to AliExpress as soon as I see something on the ads. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's. I don't know. It's it's just pretty funny though. Like it, it's effective. It's, it really is. Especially yeah. now with TikTok ads now. Are really good. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, Corinne. So um, how about your rant? Um, I mean, that was kind of like uh similar to what Robert was saying. But yeah. I think my rant would be like every I, I talk about this all the time. Everyone is trying to now be everything. Like every, mean? like if you're a celebrity now, you come out with a wine or n now I'm going to like expand my personal brand. And oh. at the end of the day, everyone's becoming, trying to be everything. The, uh, the, there's a term that I heard recently to become a multi-hyphenate. Like I'm an activist and, and model and, you know, a uh, professor and blah, blah, blah. Like all, I'm trying to be all these things and, and people are taking their personal brand and really stretching it to be like, well, now that I'm good in this one area. Now I'm going to expand my business. And I just think it's like, I don't know what level of contribution you're bringing to this, yeah. probably beyond your name. And maybe you tested some things out, but like, are you a wine expert? You know, so it's, to me, it's a little bit frustrating that. I can see that because. Like, what is the quality of your product compared to somebody who's been doing this for, for a lot longer? Yeah. And so I, and, and like, same with fast food um, chains, like. Well, now everyone wants to be a breakfast place and, and now everyone's going to offer plant-based stuff. It's For okay sure. to have a niche market. It's okay to not appeal to everyone, but everyone's trying to grab the entire market. And to me, that's frustrating because I feel like- Maybe they see success in others. They think they could do it themselves and they're missing out opportunity costs, perhaps. Maybe, 
maybe. Yeah. So anyway, it, it, is, that's, it is frustrating. That's though. You're right. I, I can see that being frustrating because I I remember vividly like you know um was it uh was it Taco Bell? No, it was Taco Bell. Yeah. So I remember working for Taco Bell before when I was in high school, and they never served breakfast. They never did. You know, yeah. and then. And then they suddenly start, start serving breakfast during the time I was working. They're like, oh, Michael, you got to work morning shifts now because you're doing breakfast. I'm like, no, screw this. I'm not waking up at 5.30 in the morning to do just serve breakfast in the morning for Taco Bell, you know? But, but, but and their breakfast is not even that good. But they're doing, they did it because they wanted to cater the, you know, the people. They got to they gotta expand into different markets. The different markets, get more, yeah. Get more market share. Yeah. Well, they saw Wendy's doing that. That's what happened, right? They saw right. Wendy's doing it. Everything That's why all these, all these like yeah. fried chicken sandwiches that happen. It's everywhere yeah. now. Like, chicken yeah. Wars. Like, yeah. It's just chicken it's Popeye. Wars they saw Popeye doing really well. They're yeah. advertising the market. Yeah. And then, yeah. Funny thing is that people don't know that guess Burger King bought Popeye and that's the reason why Popeye became big. People don't, people didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so now this is why you see BK selling the same chicken sandwich. Mm. Oh, it's the exact same chicken sandwich. It's similar, supposedly, like, but there's different tastes because Popeye's Cajun taste, so therefore they had to do the Cajun style there, mm. and so it's gonna have yeah. more bite to it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I don't get me wrong. I tried it. It's, it's good. But I have I, yet to try it. It was like I, I think the only oh. time I went by Popeye's was like at the beginning when it was all sold out, and I just yeah. haven't been near one really since. Yeah. So I, mean, I think still yet. To be determined. I think still Chick-fil-A is the best out of all of them. Chick-fil-A still tastes good. The crunchiness is in Popeye for sure. Mm. That nice texture crunchiness. I, I do agree. Like the juiciness in, uh, in Popeye is there too also because they don't overdo it, which is nice. Chick-fil-A is very consistent, but the taste is definitely better. Yeah. Mm. Oh, y'all. Han, winner in my book, Publix fried chicken. Oh, yeah. The chicken tenders? So good. It's so good. Chicken tenders are amazing. You can't get that Not in California, though. Tenders, they're pieces of like fried chicken, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fried chicken at, at public. As anything, you can't get that in California. I'm sure you miss it. Yeah, I California. miss. I miss it. I miss their subs. I miss their chicken. I miss. I miss Publix. Yeah, see, the experience. See, they try to do everything though too. See, there you go. Exactly. They got Actually, you. Okay, speaking of Publix. Okay, uh, when you come back to Orlando next time, they they you know. You know how Lucky's Market had that wine drink experience experience? Yes. Publix opened the first store in Soto to do the same exact thing. They have a bar with a coffee shop in it now. It used to be the old Lucky's Market. Wow. Yeah. So excited. But they stole uh, Lucky's Market's model now. Wow. Because of that. So, yeah. yeah, really interesting. But they do everything else so well. Like their, their um, pastries and everything are so good as well. So. Yeah. It's a one-stop shop, right? Like I said, like Amazon, right? Expanding everywhere. But but you're talking about, I think, I feel like you, you were talking about more of a personal brand in a sense. Like yeah, people grew with one, you know, one specific thing for their own personal brand. And they tried to reach out just because they can do it because they have the audience to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. and a lot of people who will follow whatever these influencers are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I just don't know what the quality is for these ex- personal brand extensions. Yeah. Compared to like, you know, the effort that they're putting in their original kind of, yeah. you know, area and how they just buy a company and then just up to yeah, other did it, well, did they just buy a company or did you just private label something right versus yeah. actually doing something, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah so. I, I understand what you're saying. Like yeah. Dwayne, like Dwayne Wayne, you know, he bought a, he ex- did a private label as a winery. Did he buy a winery? Did he actually? No, he did a private label and it wasn't very good. So. Yeah, yeah. I know you tried it. That's why I brought that yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, Corinne, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. No we'll definitely invite it you was back. It really fun chatting with you guys. Yeah. No, I, thanks for sharing your experience. I think we definitely learned a lot. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on for other topics as well. Uh, and, but meanwhile, folks, uh, if you have any you know, opinion, questions, comments, let us know. I mean, we'd like to hear from what kind of learning styles, I guess, do you think you are? And then how do you adapt to how you learn? If, you, if you're a professor or teacher, you know, share your experience with us. Leave the comments below. Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, please, you know, make sure you leave a review and make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button below and subscribe. subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe, subscribe, you know. Yeah. And if you uh, want to watch all of our videos, they're all on our website, www.gfothoughts.com. Yeah. Please. Uh, again, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, until next time, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Take right. Peace, guys. Everyone, thanks, Corinne. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gluten-Free Organic Thoughts Podcast. As always, we appreciate you. If you are watching us on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe to our channel, like this episode, and leave us a comment. If you are listening to us, please leave us your honest review on your preferred podcast listening platform. And as always, you can find us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at GFOT Thoughts. Drop a comment and give us some feedback. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, see you then.